What's up, guys? Welcome to Control-Alt-Tech Plus. I'm your host, Jeff Gretler, and as you know, sometimes we just have so much show that we have to go straight to your ears. Uh, I did not get the uh, benefit of hosting the show this week. Uh, that benefit goes to Todd, uh, but he had some great guests. Uh, we have Jim and Doug, and they're still here with us, and we're going to talk, we were talking about Windows 2003 server end of life, uh, end of service, sorry. So, my question is, since it's the year 2015 and we're still talking about Windows 2003, that's that's extreme, you know, that's more than a decade. So shouldn't we be more concerned with uh, starting to spin off a of Windows 2008? I mean, technically the clock is still rolling, starting to tick on Windows 2012. So Jim, we'll start with you. Uh, are you in any kind of planning phases to start phasing out of the later operating systems? Well, we're not um, trying to get all my customers to moving to 2012. And one of the great things that's made that possible is since 2003, we've had a major paradigm shift into virtualization. You know, everything being a virtualized server, it's a lot easier just to get an operating system license, spin up another virtual, or try and do an in-place upgrade. But it gives you so many more options. So you're talking about just not the, the, the need to keep that hog of a server that's you know, that tower that's in the corner somewhere that you didn't, that those, those days are gone. Right. I mean, for the most part, you know, you can still take that same tower server, whatever it is, if you need to add more RAM and spin up some more virtual machines. And that, that makes it a little easier for, for, for testing too, I imagine, as far as just, like you said, spinning up an instance, a parallel instance to, for testing, because basically we're holding on to this stuff. Not that we don't love the operating system, but we're hanging on to it probably because of some third-party vendor that has some software that they have not basically supported past the operating system that it's running on, right? Right. So spinning up those instances that you can actually test it and maybe work the bugs out. Right, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's where the, the Hyper-V on the Windows 8 and 8.1 really come in. Oh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So you actually had a disaster where you used some virtualization to... Uh, well, I'll let you say it. <laughs> right. I actually had a physical server that went down and through four different laptops with 8.1 on them because 8.1 has the exact same hypervisor as the 2012 server. So you can literally take your virtual server, bring it onto your laptop with enough RAM and spin up your server. And I did that with four different laptops spread out across the table That's and awesome. kept the business running until I could replace a RAID controller and bring it back up the physical server. So you're telling me by 2020, data centers in our pockets? Quite possibly, with the way <laughs> flash <laughs> memory's moving. <laughs> so Doug, uh, so what's your stance on that? How are you aggressive when it comes to like, let's get off these OSs as soon as we need to, or you're like, let's ride it into the ground? Yeah, I think uh, well, with 2003, right, it's kind of a testament to Microsoft the fact that it has run for so long. You know, they did a great job with that OS. Um, you know, where companies didn't feel like they had to migrate off as fast as you would have like, let's say in the older days, 3.5.1 or NT4.0. But I look at uh, like 2008, 2008 is running pretty strong itself. I mean, any new client that I work with, um, we're absolutely installing 2012, uh, but I don't see a, a pressing need to move off of 2008. Okay, so and have they announced the date yet? We have to check on that. As I'm sure yeah, they do sure. have a life cycle or their clock is ticking on their site, but it does seem like they're spreading it out a little little further. I think they used to end, and I'll ask you guys this question. So basically, sometimes we're getting into these binds because of 
a buying cycle versus actually a need for a life cycle. It can argue that sometimes, you know, like fine wine, that operating system needs time to actually mature, to make it like, wow, this is really solid now, but that's not really conducive to a good buying cycle. So it's not like the technology right now. It's just like people are just basically taking this, you know, like Microsoft, okay, it's time to spin up a new generation. So, you know, to get revenue rolling, correct? Correct. I mean, if Microsoft isn't releasing, they're not getting revenue. Right. So. A, and, you know, they're not doing it as a hobby. I mean, this isn't a <laughs> fault. I mean, they, they are a business, but they do have to take into consideration that they're basically now their buying cycle is going to really affect a lot of smaller businesses, not and, and bigger ones as well. So do you think there is a, a healthy middle on that? Or, and do you think they've reached that as far as like, we're not going to get too aggressive with our buying cycles because, I mean, we all interfaced with, you know, Windows NT. How many servers? There was seven service packs, right, for NT? Yep. Six, I think. Right? Yeah. And, or they had a 6A, a 6A right? Yeah, exactly. so that was yeah. a small one. <laughs> so, but you don't, it, does, it doesn't seem like a life cycle makes it that far to have those types of, those service packs anymore. Do you think there's a, a healthy middle that, you know, Microsoft or these vendors could do to keep up? Because I think the days of... You build something really good and solid and it'll last you forever is gone. And I don't think that's just in technology. I think everything is a pluck and chuck mentality. I mean, these phones have so much computing power now, you know, more than our desktops back then. But you still were trained for a two-year life cycle on it just because that's what the contract is. Right. So, Jim, what do you think on that? Do you think there's a healthy middle where the technology can still advance and innovate but not stop? progress well on the on the hardware front i try for four years and i try and get all my customers on that cycle and i let them know you know okay well you just you know put down a big chunk of money on this server now you got to start putting it away and you know every year you got to put away 25 percent of that because in four years we're replacing that and we're upgrading oh wow you know? so, so four years is that just for servers do you have less for workstations or is just that across the board as far as like um, workstation seems to be slowing down. I had a three year refresh for quite a long time, but you know, um, you got a three year old, uh, I seven, it's still running pretty strong. Right. You know, it's still running that same windows seven and life is good. Right. Yeah. I mean the XP end of life. I mean, that was a big thing because that I've, everyone felt like that operating system really hit, hit its stride later on. And it was really mature to, to make that, uh, it was so hard to say goodbye, basically, is what I'm trying oh, to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, Doug, what do you think? Do you have a, a refresh cycle that you look at? Yeah, we kind of follow the same lines, um, three to four years on your hardware. You know, it's kind of a little bit different now with virtualization, um, where you can still have older hardware. You can put in new hardware, lock its step into the old hardware, and you can keep them all kind of running. Um, it's not as important to, I think, refresh some of the older hardware as much anymore. So I think the server hardware is starting to expand a little bit um, as far as that refresh cycle, because you know if you do have a failure, something goes wrong, you know your virtual machines are gonna shift over to the other piece of hardware, you're still gonna be up and running. Um, so you can almost run them until, they're, until they die almost now. Um, and then it really depends on what the capacity is, which is I think is more important for these companies. Are they scaling, are they going up? And if they are, then you, then you start to add newer, faster machines to that. Um, and keep the old ones in there if you want to. Okay, that's a good point. So that kind of got me thinking too, as far as like, uh, what about uh, a subscription-based model where basically that uh, 
cloud OS that you're kind of like, it's always on and you're always get updates. Like you see a lot of like softwares like box and stuff. You don't get noticed. You'll get a notification. Hey, this is what we did, but it's not something that we had to do. You just get the notification. Do you think operating systems are going that way? Um, I don't think they're going to do that for the server operating systems just because there's too many variables. variables that, yeah, can, you know, really break something that, you know, you see it all the time where, oops, we have to roll out a patch <clears throat> because this unintended consequence. Oh, yeah. What about, what do you think, Doug? Agree? Uh, I completely agree. Um, you know, you see like a lot of these cloud providers, they roll something out. And uh, if you're in the enterprise, that rollout could, could impact your users. And all of a sudden you come in one day, Users are like, hey, something's not working. And you're like, let me check. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, hey, Company X just rolled out a, a new upgrade. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden now you got to either, and you can't roll it back, right? Because no, it's no, not under your control. Yeah. So that, that is a big challenge. So I agree with the server stuff. I'd be hard pressed to see that kind of coming down the pipeline. But with cloud server or services like Amazon AWS, when you're, if you're running your stuff up there, um, you know, they do make it a lot easier, right? You don't even have to worry about the licensing at that point. Um, you know, so they'll make it available and then you can start playing around with it just like you would with virtualization. Yeah. I mean, you, you give up some power and the, but then sometimes you're, when you don't have that power to do anything, basically now you're a victim of waiting. Like you said, if you have to notify it's like, Hey, this patch pretty much just broke everything. Where at least right. if you ran the update yourself, you can go through, you can roll back. Right. You have some escape plans where I guess if you're on a subscription based model or something like that, there is no escape. <laughs> No one will hear your screams. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on the show, you guys talk about, are you, so are there, are there any Windows 2003 servers that you're still having to deal with today or you're completely done? I've got one left that is in my queue that I'm working on. And, you know, to me, the scary part is just who's going to call next and say, hey, we have this server. What do we do? Or, you know another few months from now, just like we got the frantic calls when XP ended, not until, you know, the day it was on the news saying, XP is dead today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What about you, Doug? Yeah, no, I was still um, working with a few of our clients that are, you know, just now starting to do their transition. So, you know, they knew it was coming, but, you know, they, they had other priorities because um, it was still functioning for them. So they looked at it as a, a business decision to kind of wait toward, towards closer to the end. Um, and now we're starting to put plans together and, you know, upgrading terminal servers, upgrading their domain controllers, upgrading their application servers, and then, you know, doing the appropriate tests, having fallback plans or rollback plans. Um, because without that, you're sunk, right? Yeah. You might as well throw a dart at the dartboard and hope for the best. <laughs> oh man. And that's actually a good point. I mean, you both are dealing with clients rather than, you know, if you're, you're in an enterprise or you're part of a corporation or something, you can, you have a department, you can discuss it. But now basically you're a third party you're, and trying to convince them. What are some tips that you can give as far as like working with a client and stressing, hey, end of support is not good because if this breaks, we're out here by ourselves. Right. Well, there's that. And, you know, the all these high publicity hacking things are really helping. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Target got hit. You know, Home Depot got hit. Do you want to be next? What happens to your business if you're hit when you have to go through that mud? You know, um, there's been lawsuits against some C-level officers of companies who were not following best practices. You know, you've got, depending upon what industry they're in, HIPAA or other government regulations that, 
you know, or helping to put the scare and fear into them. So, so like the emperor in Star Wars, fear is a powerful ally. Yes, sometimes just scare them, scare them straight. Doug, do you scare them straight? Yeah, you know, it's nice when you're working with companies that do have to follow those regulations because really, it's not it's not your decision or even your opinion. It's like you have to follow the regulation, right? And then for, at that point, they're just like, okay, fine. What, what's it going to cost us to do that? But when working with private companies and they don't have those regulations that basically enforce that, um, it is one of those things where it's a, how do I how do I talk to the business owner um, or you know IT manager at that place and saying, listen, th th these are the benefits by you doing this, right? Like you know if it does break, we can actually get support. Um, I mean, we've all called Microsoft support at one point in time. Um, sometimes it's more challenging than another. It's bad enough calling them when you have support. If you don't have support and you're trying to get like a piece of information on them, forget about it. Right. So it's a, you might, I mean, and this is the stuff where you're like, dude, your, your, your whole infrastructure is running on this. Like your company is running your on business. this. Do you really want to, you know, take a chance on that? You know? And it's a little scary if, if you're dealing with a, a, a client or a business that doesn't really understand the technology. It's the people are just like, I don't know how it make it, just make it work. Yep. And if they're like, well, if it's currently working right now, that means it's not broken. It means we're fine, right? Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's and it's just not the case. And the nice thing, being in the position that that we're in, where we have multiple clients, right? We can say, listen, we're working with a lot of people, either in the same industry or other industries, and there's a reason why everyone's upgrading. You know, it, it can be challenging for a, a single IT person at a company where you know they go up to their boss and they're like, "Do we need to do this?" And boss, like, well, maybe not. Or they go to the CEO, "Hey, this has to get done." If they get shot down, they, they can't go anywhere else. You know, like they're just like, oh, okay, then, and then they're still responsible for that, right? Like, and that that's a tough position to be in, you know. So, uh, I don't envy being in that position. Yeah. And uh, you know, we, we help people that are in that in that position, and then we help the the business owner understand that because it's that's sometimes they don't get it. Yeah, and if they don't get it, it's and it's still your reputation on the yeah. line, right? And uh, I was thinking about this earlier too. It's just like think of a. Uh, all the regulations and all the change that's come in like the accounting industry or like with, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley where yeah. the CEO has to basically put some skin in the game now that you are personally responsible. Are we creeping up at the day since we are so beholden to this technology where the CIO or somebody is going to have to basically sign off personal responsibility for the technology that is just like, hey, if this... You know, if this, you know, this turns pear-shaped, you're personally responsible. What do you guys think about that? Is that, that's a scary prospect, I'm sure, but do you think we're going to get to that point? I think in a lot of ways we already are. Um, I mean, it might not be where you've signed your name on the piece of paper, but, you know, if things go wrong bad enough and they're looking for the person to blame, they're still going to come after you. Yeah. Whether you wrote your name on the paper or not. Right. Yeah, that's that's scary. And I guess for you guys, since you are uh, like a service provider, yep. where you paid it, if something didn't work, they will go after you. That's that's a lot of burden. You guys, you guys okay? Should we? <laughs> <laughs> you guys feel all right? Put your feet up here. You're you're in a safe place here. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the thing for for me at least is you know as long as we've had that conversation with them, you know if we've had the conversation, if we didn't have the conversation, then yeah, I'd be a lot more worried. But yeah, the conversation. If they make a business decision for whatever reasons that they make it, um, you know, I'm not the police. You know, it's, it's kind of like licensing, right? It could be like, listen, you're out, you're out of scope on licensing. I'm not going to force them to pay for it, right? It's really on them to to do it, and it's, it's really the same thing. Um, now, if if I didn't tell them about that, then then and they were like, why didn't you tell me? I'd be like, oh, I messed up, right? <laughs> right. Um, but you know, as long as we have that conversation, 
I feel pretty comfortable. And and then as you get closer and closer to you know the end end of service and stuff, we'll have that conversation more and more regularly because right. you know it really is you. Know, even if we're a provider, we're a third party with a lot of these companies. I mean, I do try to, I treat them like as if I was their, their IT person yeah, anyway, exactly. you know? So team, right? yeah, we feel like, you know, there's a, we have a vested interest and, uh, you know, we, my company, we love technology. Um, so, you know, I don't want to see it fail. You know, right. I want to see these guys succeed with the technology they have. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if this was video, you would have loved what we just saw. <laughs> Magic. <in the> studio. <laughs> so, uh, now, do you guys have like a sheet that basically, like a waiver of the legislature, like, hey, you know, Windows 2003 and the service is about d- done. Do you want us to upgrade or you want to still roll with it? Oh, we're cool. We're going to roll with 2003. Okay. Just sign here that says that you decided to stay with that. Do you have to do that as a service provider? Or is that too much? That, I think that's a little too much, at least for my taste. Okay. Um, you know, if anything, I'll, I may follow up with an email saying, hey, we had this conversation and you know, I just want to make sure, you know, here's our position, here's where we've left it, we'll follow up in two months or something like that. Um, but yeah, if it gets to that point, I try not to treat any of our clients like to that contractual right. extent. You know, it's more of a, it's a partnership, right? And, and exactly. if it got to that point, like, I think that would be a little too heavy handed. Okay. What do you think? You agree? I agree. Um, one thing that I do, you know, like when I'm having these conversations with a customer, you know, if whenever I'm visiting them, I always, I get back to my car and I spend five minutes on my phone um, just talking into it and saying what I went over. And I will always, you know, document myself saying that, you know, I went over, they should be replacing this or this should happen. Just so that, you know, if a year from now they come and say, oh, that server died, why didn't you tell me? I can, you know, refer back back to, to and I do end up, they end up in my accounting system, not in the bills that get printed, but just in there with, under them. So that way I can refer back if I have to. Okay. Uh, for you guys, again, being service providers, uh, do you have any templates that you have in place to that you can basically use, or is it a case, you know, company by company basis? I think it's company by company. Um, I mean, if I'm having a company that's signing up a contract for, you know, X number of maintenance hours a week or a month, then I have a template contract for that. But I wouldn't go into, you know, your computers or, you know, need to be replaced or something like that. Okay. Doug, how about you? Is there a template in place you do for migrations uh, off dying operating systems? So uh, I agree. It's definitely company by company, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, I mean, we try to have a template process or like a project um, plan around it, but the the meat and potatoes is, is definitely, it's going to be unique. So we have like an overarching template, really high level, um, but that's about it. Okay, cool. Uh, we're getting close to uh, wrap up here. So before we go though, uh, Jim, what do you, uh, where do you kind of see uh, in 10 years these migrations getting, uh, you know, these end of services forcing migrations getting easier or getting tougher? I think they can be easier for, you know, us technicians. You know, um, and the operating systems get a little bit easier each and every time. True. You know, there are still bugs and kinks and things to learn with every one of them, but. You know, it's not nearly as painful as it was when we went from the NT4 to the 2000 server and discovered that scary Active Directory thing. You <laughs> yeah. Know, now it's, it's oh, yeah. you know, a whole lot easier to <laughs> say, okay, I got to update my FISMO rules and move them onto the new server and right. move along. Okay. So what do you think? Yeah. Easier? No, I, I definitely think it'll be easier. I think Microsoft's learned a lot as we've learned a lot. Um, 
you know, they, they've kind of have heard the horror stories, supported some of those horror stories. Um, but I really do think, I mean, in 10 years, um, you know, with, with more and more of the cloud, whether it's Azure, or AWS, or a newcomer that comes on board, um, I, I just think it's going to be like, you turn up a new server, like it's just going to be five minutes to turn up new servers and, you know, the migration paths are going to be much easier. Yeah, and I think it's, the next 10 years are going to be pretty interesting how, how the corporate data center expands out into more open open architecture. Evolves, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Uh, and I started in the beginning of the show, if you guys remember, I started my uh, Android update to the operating <laughs> system, and it is complete. So nice. you think we're ever going to get to that point with servers, or just literally like, I'm going to go... I'm going to go hit update and then I'm going to go do a podcast. And by the time it's over, the update will be complete and everything will work. That being said, I have not unlocked it. So I can't <laughs> confirm or deny that that didn't make everything go pear shaped. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess I would think, um, like I said, for servers, I don't think that's going to really happen because in a way they are way too unique to your customers and the software that's on them. Okay, that is true. I mean, I guess you you have to, everything's pretty much a custom build these days. It's hard to get the right. cookie If your cutters. Angry Birds doesn't work after this, you know, you won't be too upset. That but, is true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Well, I might be a little upset. If it's the accounting <laughs> system, you know. Yeah, that's true. I guess what, what the weight is it. Uh, so what do you think, Doug, is? Um, I, in some aspects, aspects, it might get a little bit easier. You know, they may have a wizard or something that'll make some of this transition a little bit smoother. Um, but I think it, it's going to be like those third-party apps um, that are always going to be the challenge, you know, and it's just really going to depend on how good a quality their code is. And, you know, is it from a, a trusted company or is it like a, you know, ind individual or something where they kind of whip together a program and it's running on their server and they're dependent on it? Those are always going to be the hardest. Um, but if it's like, I don't know, everything out now is cloud-based, but like, you know, something that's running on your system, you know, if it's made by a good company, I think you have the support from them as well as Microsoft. Uh, it'll just be a little, I think it'll be easier, but there's always something you got to keep your eye on. That's why you got to do a lot of testing. All right, guys, we're going to do our final words here. So Jim, we'll start with you. Final words. Do you have any final words that you want to say about Windows Server 2003 end of service? Um, just in terms of the end of service, if you're listening to this and you haven't started yet, it's time to jump in with both feet, you know, uh, spin up a virtual, even if it's on a 90 day free license and start moving things and playing with things and testing. Good. Doug, final words. Uh, definitely test. That is the key thing. Um, you know, all, more often than not, I see people, they're like, oh yeah, we'll just upgrade and We'll install and then we're good. And it's, Oops. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like so. If you are thinking about doing your upgrades, please test thoroughly. You know, work with the business owners, people that are using the software. So when you install it on the new the new server, let them run through it. Make sure they're bug free, um, so that you know you're okay. You know, just because you can launch QuickBooks on the new server doesn't mean that the accounting person can actually create an invoice or print stuff out. Um, you know, it's absolutely imperative that you work with the business. All right. Testing, testing, testing. All right, so that's it for us today at Control-Alt-Tech Plus. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Jim Saul and Doug Hofgartner, and I'd also like to thank our awesome sponsor, CDW, who uh, sponsored our, our live cast, which you can catch on the in our community page, and this podcast where you can catch in multiple different places. So that's it for us today. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Gretler, and don't forget to Control-Alt-Tech yourself before you wreck yourself. I'll talk to you next time. Yeah!